Things are going to be a little different today. Uh, first off, I just want to share with you a uh, couple of prayer requests that we got today. Uh, Deb Black, uh, which is Rob's sister, uh, is having some health issues. So if you could just kind of keep her lifted up in praise and, or in prayer. Uh, and also, Gloria is going to be having surgery next month. And so we want to lift her up in our prayers also this week. Before we get to prayers, I want to share with you something awesome. Uh, yesterday, I had the privilege to attending the Iron Sharpens Iron Men's Conference over in Terre Haute. Um, got to hang out with Jared and uh, TJ and Ethan and Nathan, and it was a great time. And here's why I want to say it was a great time. And something, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, if I'm going to be completely transparent, I woke up that morning, and it started at 8.30 in the morning, and I was like, I really would just like to sit here and snuggle up with my wife. Like, I really don't want to go to this men's conference. Like, I was excited about it, but it just wasn't, like, that excited. Like, I'd seen the list of speakers and everything, and I was like, but I got up, I got there, and here was the great thing, and, and people have asked me, you know, like, oh, what was, what was the best part about the men's conference? I can tell you the best part of the men's conference, hands down, and that was hanging out with TJ and Jared. And it really was, uh, sorry, Ethan, and Ethan, sorry, even though you didn't get me a cookie from Chick-fil-A, that's okay. I'm not going to hold that against you. So anyways, but the, that was the great thing. Here's why it was so great and wonderful, though. Because we got to live life together for that day. For those couple hours, we got to live life together. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, well, that doesn't sound very fun at all. But when you truly get to know somebody and you get to just talk and you get to laugh, that is the joy of being a part of a family. And I think sometimes we miss that, right? We miss that because we get so busy in life. Last week, uh, I talked a little bit about, you know, being a workaholic and always being like, I, I find my value at work and because I got to work and then, you know, work pays me and then I get more money and then I feel like I have more value because now I have more money. But here's the thing is we're missing the point. We're missing it because we're not fellowshipping with other believers. And, and it just rubs me the wrong way when I see believers and they're like, you know, what? I, I follow Jesus, but I'm not in any relationships with any other believers. And, and hear me straight here, I'm not saying like, here it is, like, your salvation's in question. That's not it at all. But what I'm telling you is, is you are missing part of the greatest blessing of being a part of a family of Christ. Is if you're not in a small group, if you're not trying to fellowship, and I'm not saying, hey, Mariah has all these small groups, go to one of our small groups. Like, that's awesome if you do, that's great, but guess what? Even if you meet with other people that don't go to this church, and you guys, you know, are focused on Christ, that is awesome and amazing because you live life together. Here's the great thing, and I know I'm kind of getting ramped up, but this has nothing to do with the message, I promise, but it's okay. I was sitting there listening, uh, you know, to, a, to Billy Graham's... Uh, procession and everything there i was listening to all these different stories about billy graham and and i was sitting there listening and i've i've heard billy graham several times and each time i'm like man what a powerful speaker you know i mean i can't my mind is blown when i think that when he gets to the gates of heaven how many people are there in heaven because of that one guy and i thought man what an amazing thing but i was listening to this guy talk and he was talking about he was a a uh, an airport transport guy at a hotel and he was talking about that one day that he was at the Marriott, that's where he worked, and there was this guy, and he said, man, it looked like Billy Graham, and so he goes, and he's like, are, are you Billy Graham? He's like, yeah, I'm Billy Graham, and he's like, I didn't even know what to say. Like, that's Billy Graham. Just sitting there, eating breakfast, 
like everybody else. And he goes, I just got to set for just a, a few 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just to set. And I got to talk with Billy Graham. And he just, you know, we, he asked about me. Tell me about you. Tell me about your life. How did you become a believer in Christ? And I thought, here's, here's an amazing guy who has preached to crowds of thousands upon thousands. But here it is on a one-on-one situation. And he wants to know about this guy. And again, I think that's the greatest blessing. That's a great blessing that we miss in our lives if we're not in fellowship with other Christians. Have we got that? Amen. Okay, junior church can go ahead and be dismissed before I forget that. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, and then uh, there's going to be a short video we're going to watch real quick because I said we're going to change things up a little bit, and then we're going to get started. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you so much that you call me son. And God, I, I'm thankful because you gave me today. God, I'm thankful for each person that's sitting in this building, God. God, because I know you're here. I know you're here, and, and each time we meet together, God, I know you're, you're here and you're waiting for somebody. Because you're calling our hearts. God, to follow you a little bit closer. To pray to you a little harder. So God, I just pray today, God, that every word I speak, God, that it, if it, if it is not of you, God, that, that you take it out. God. God, that everything that's said, God, is to glorify you and bring you glory to you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Go ahead, Dalton. So who's excited to learn about love? Okay, okay, we're getting there, we're getting there. Uh, we're getting there, we're getting there, it's okay. So here's the thing is, uh, today we're, of course, we're going to talk about love. And I know a couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked about love. We talked about the three different kinds of love when it comes to like a relationship. Last week, uh, I had a message prepared all about how we love God. And then the Holy Spirit kind of came in and changed everything right in the direction and so we changed that whole message. Uh, and so this week we're going to talk about love. And I was sitting there this week and I was doing my Bible reading. Uh, and what I'm kind of doing, uh, th- th- this is a secret. I want everybody to know this. Some of you have maybe have never heard this. I read my Bible backwards sometimes. I got to start in Revelations and it started going backwards. Now I know that's mind-blowing to some of you and you're thinking like, you can't do that. Well, I did, so I don't, I don't know. But I did. So anyways, if you want to go and turn your Bibles with me to 1 John, chapter 3 is the first place we're going to be. Uh, And so this whole message is about love. And what I find interesting about our society is we like to say the word love. uh, And we talked about that, you know, how we like to say, oh, I, I love this or I love that. And we even talk about how we love people and we talk about how we love these things and this and that. But what I find interesting is a lot of times our love is based on emotion. It's based on emotion. And what I don't like about that is, is what I don't see is love never translates into action. And I think a lot of times when we read scripture, love is an action. It's a commandment. It's a do. Not a talk about. It's a it's a do. And so when I look at that and I was thinking about this message and I thought, you know, what would be a good thing? What would be kind of like a, a good title for this? And it was called Limitless because I always think that no matter what, we always have more love to give. I lo- Rob, we're going to get it today, buddy. Everyone's going to be yelling amen by the end. So let me, let me do this again. We always have more love to give. Right? Like, even when we think, and what I'm talking about here is, I don't want us to get confused with, like, our emotion of our heart. Like, uh, no, I'm not talking about you just continually go and love, you know, everybody, and you just put your heart out there. What I'm talking about, though, is our actions of love. We can show people that we love them through actions, correct? And I was thinking about this, and I thought, well, what would be a good example? And I thought, the way I love my wife is is a great example of this. The way we love God is a great example of this. And so let's put these two in parallel. If we tell God that we love him and we show up on Sundays, right, that's great. Amen? That's great. But what happens if you never tell God or you show God that you love him through Monday through Saturday? So let's flip that. Now, my wife, if I show up on, on Sunday and I say, hey, baby, I love you, and I give her some little sweet kisses, you know, and, and all this and kind of, you know, love up on her, and we even do our little turkey gobble, because we get lost in the stores, and we do that, and so, like, she knows, like, wow, I'm loved, and then come tomorrow, I wake up, and I'm like, deuces, I'm out, and I come home, hey, how's your day, and I just walk by, I grab my food, sit down on the couch, I eat my food, look at my phone, play some, play on there for a little bit, and I go to bed, she'd be like, well, that's, that's strange. I wonder, wonder what I did. And then tomorrow I wake, or we wake up, and she's like, today's going to be the day. And I go, hmm, cool. I'm going to go work now. 
we see that by the end of the week, one of two things would happen. I would be in very, very deep trouble. Like my wife would be like, um, hmm, don't be kissing on me today. Oh no, oh no, all week you didn't say anything to me. You're not loving up to me like that. But the sad thing is, sometimes that's what we do to God, though. Like, we're, we're here on Sundays, we're like, you know, let our praise be glorious. Now, I, my glorious and your glorious sometimes, I guess, must be different because, like, I'm glory. I'm like, yeah, bring it. Like, let's be glorious. Let's sing at the top of our lungs. But then if we never interact with Jesus again, if we never talk to God, if we never do any action that shows love Monday through Saturday, I wonder on Sundays if he's not like, hmm, where, where'd you come from? Where did you come from? Like, I, I seen you last Sunday, and then, like, I don't know, did we take a break? Like, Jerry Maguire, you know, like, you know, if you love me, you got to tell me. Like, I, did we take a break, and I not know this? Like, how does this work? And I think that sometimes that's where we're at, because what happens is we talk about love, and we talk about how much we love God and we love Jesus, but then when it comes to an action, we're like, ah, ah, I'm just not sure. And so... I was reading through a great quote I love. Martin Luther King Jr. said it like this. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Again, we're talking about an action. Like he's not talking about just like somebody hates you and you're like, hey, I love you. I love you. Like no, like he's talking about an action. Like you have to show people you're invested and that you love them. And so I look at this, and I'm reading this. So in 1 John chapter 3, we're going to go 17 and 18. And again, uh, I, I encourage you to go back and read the chapter. You know, don't just take my word for it. Go and read for yourself and say, oh, yeah, that is the context here. So verse 17, it starts off. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children... Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And in truth. So I, I want to ask a quick question. Um, where's my heart for this church? Where do, where do I want to see us make an impact at? Community. Okay, we're gonna, now we're going to work on that. So where do we want to make an impact at as a church? Our community, right? But how are we going to do that? Are we going to do it by talking? No, right? And that's what I'm trying to get out on this first point is, is that we can talk all we want. We can talk all we want, but the fact is we have to show action. We have to show action. And please, please hear me when I say this. I'm not trying to step on toes here. I'm trying to bring truth and going. If you're upset, you're upset at Scripture. You're not upset with me. If you want to argue, argue with Scripture. Don't argue with me. I'm just saying, hey, I understand that we want to talk about how we love, and my vision and my direction is that we are going to make an impact in the community. We can talk about that, and you know, we can discuss that, but my thing is, is I believe that God is calling us to make an impact in our community, and how we're going to do that is through action. And it's the actions of love, and it's the actions of service Billy Graham put it like this, the highest form of worship is the worship of unselfishness, Christian service. The greatest form of praise is the sound of consecrated feet seeking out the lost and the helpless. The lost and the helpless. So let me ask you this. I'm guilty of this. 
When's the last time you knew somebody that doesn't go to church and you said, hey, I'd love for you to come to church with me? Hmm. Hmm. Right? Like, because sometimes we get, we get locked in this ordinary pattern of like, well, this is just it. Like, here we are. Like, I go to church on Sundays. Like, you do you. I'll do me. And I'll go to church. And if you don't, like, that's, I don't want to step on toes, Jared. I don't want to step on toes. I don't want to offend anybody. Here's the thing is, if you're not willing to offend somebody, then you don't care that much about them. You don't care that much about them. Example is this, is uh, my oldest daughter Hannah, she's, she does weightlifting and CrossFit and all that, most of you know. And so this last week she had a, a competition on Friday. She was disappointed in herself. She's outside, she's crying. Uh, I come out because I'm like the dad, and so I come out and I sit with her, and she goes, I'm just really disappointed in myself. And I looked at her and I said, you should be. It was the truth. You should be disappointed because you're expecting results that you didn't work for. As a church, as people of Christ, that's us sometimes. Like, we expect results. We want to see, oh, Jared, you know, I know the Great Commission. I know the Great Commission. I know that God tells us to, you know, go make disciples. But I don't want to offend anybody. Well, I'm not saying offend anybody, but if I can say, hey, I understand you don't go to church. I I would love to see you. Just come visit our church one time. If you hate it, I will never bug you again. You never have to go back. Is is that really offending anybody? No, you're saying, hey, I know what God's doing here. I don't know about you guys, but last week the three baptisms had me fired up. It had me fired up. In fact, I was really, and this is just, this is a selfish thing, but I'm just going to be honest. I was hoping somebody else was going to come up and be like, I want to be baptized. And I was going to be like, let's do it. We're just going to keep baptizing people until people stop coming up. And that's cool. Like, that's awesome because I want people to know, hey, you know what? We're open here, right? Our doors are open to everyone. You know, we want to love on people. And we want to journey with them to meet Jesus. Which is the key, right? And when I say love on people, I don't mean uh, just the emotion of they feel loved. I mean that we want to serve And that's the key. We want to serve them. And so I looked at this verse and I was like, this is it. This is the whole thing that brings everything together. Is this. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. also said this. Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Soul generated by love. Um, show of hands real quick. How many people have Facebook? Okay, so the majority of us. The majority of us. Uh, how many of you guys seen the video I posted of Pathfinders last week? Some of us, okay. If you haven't seen it, you can go to the Mariah page and see, and uh, like these two kids are getting pushed by furniture movers. One of them about gets decapitated by a table. Uh, I didn't have them sign insurance waivers, so that could have been a bad thing. But anyways, so they're going, I'm yelling, like I am screaming in this video because it's the finals. They're coming around, and the first kid hits the shot first, bam, it's over. Kids are going crazy. I'm going crazy. I'm a horse. But it's the whole thing of services. I want them to see me and go, you know, he cares and loves me, not because I tell them, hey, I love you and I care for you. No, they see that because I'm there on Wednesdays having fun with them. And so part of their love language is, hey, you want to have fun? Oh, we can have fun together? Cool. You must love me. You must be invested in me. And that's the truth because I want to serve them. 
So that's the first thing is we have to get past that love is just a word, just an emotion, and put it into action, especially if we want to see more people come to Christ, and we'll get to that at the end. The second thing is this. That video alluded to it. Love our enemies. Love our enemies. So if you want, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew 5, 43. And I know some of you are like, oh, pastor, come on now. Like, if you've been in church, like, I've heard this a bajillion times. Great. So if you've heard it a bajillion times, let me ask you the simple question, how are you doing? That's the key. If you, if you tell me, if you're like, I've heard this a thousand, well, how are you doing? And maybe you're doing awesome. And if you're doing great, hallelujah, amen, I praise you for that. But can, I just want to let you in on a little secret that sometimes we don't do so great even though we know it. Like the Great Commission, go, make the site. Like, we know that, right? But we're just not that good at it. We just kind of skirt that. We're like, eh. And sometimes I think we do that with this because we're like, I know, I know, we're supposed to love our enemies. Then somebody at work that just irritates us, that just rubs us the wrong way, that we just can't even stand the sound of their voice, and we're just like, why did they even have to show up to work today? Why couldn't they have been sick with Ebola? And I think like that, and we're like, but how are we doing? I'm doing good with loving my enemy. I want to lay hands on them in the name of Jesus. Yeah, right? Like, that's just the, you know, but that's, the, but the truth is, it's one of those, like, it's a serious matter. So Matthew 5, uh, 43, you know, maybe we should, this is a side subject. Sometimes I get ADD and I see a squirrel. Sometimes I think, like, we should do, like, youth group. I could just call on people and be like, you read Matthew. No? Okay. Uh, Matthew 5, 43 says, you have heard this, it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do you not even, do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So two things on this, this verse uh, we look at and go, as much as we don't want to admit this, we're all guilty of this, right? We're all guilty of this because it's one of those like, uh, if you ever want to see this, ever go to like a gathering of people and you'll see them like section themselves off. Like, well, those are my people. Those are my friends. Like, I'm going to go hang out with them. Like, I don't know these people. They dress weird, won't, won't go over there. But it's one of those we start sectioning ourselves off. And so this is saying, like, what good are we doing as people of God, as Christians, if we say, hey, you know, I'm only going to love on Christian people. I'm only going to love on Christian people, you know, everybody else, and especially the people that do wrong by me. You guys know I'm very transparent. Here's the thing. Uh, I have to confess, there have been people in my life that I have truly hated. I'm not, I'm not proud of that fact. I'm just being honest and saying, I'm not perfect. There have been people in my life that I have absolutely hated, vehemently. But can I tell you a secret? It only poisoned me. And it, it, and it cost me my journey with God. It separated me and God. It caused you know, a space between me and God because I couldn't get closer to him because I was holding on to this hate in my life. 
most of the time, at least in my life, when that has happened, I feel like I have been wrongly done to. Like, I haven't given them a reason. I haven't, you know, uh, given them a reason to hate me. Like, I just feel like I have been, you know, on the wrong end of this whatever it is. And then all of a sudden I start harboring this hatred, right? And so it's interesting. That causes the space between me and God. And then, and if you're there, maybe you understand this because I understand this. Is then as you're walking, you kind of feel like, I wonder why God feels so distant. Like, I, I wonder why. Like, maybe God took a detour, and he was supposed to be over here with me, and, like, now he's over there, and, like, I don't understand. But if we really examined our heart, if we really prayed, like, hey, God, examine my heart. Show me what's in my heart that you don't want in my life anymore. That that it would be blatantly obvious that he would go, hey, listen, like, how do you feel about that person? Well, Well, I mean, I don't like him. Really? Why? Well, I mean, I mean, you see, God, like they they done this and they done this and and then they, and then they done this and oh, okay, okay. So, so can I ask you a question, Jerk? Yeah, God, like fire away. So, how many times have you sinned against me? Oh well, I mean, I mean, God, if it's like, I mean, a lot, I guess. And do I still love you? Well, yeah, you love me. And I think we miss that. We miss that. We miss that grace and that love that God has poured out on us. And, and by no means am I saying like, hey, uh, you know, love your enemy and go right back into the situation. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is there's, if you harbor this hatred, it, it creates a space between you and God. And oftentimes you're going to wonder, like, why is God so distant from me? And it's because of this hatred. Uh, Here's the secret. Here's the secret to life. Girls listening? You listening? This is a secret right here, and I want you to get this. Ready? Riley's like, I don't know if I'm ready. Are you ready? The people that you hate, most of them don't care. They, they don't. They, they could care less that you have this ill feeling against them because one of two things, either they don't care or they don't even remember what happened. And when you realize that, you go, so like I'm holding on to this hatred, I'm holding on to all these things and they don't even care, and if they do care, they probably don't remember, or even if they don't care, they don't remember this whole thing anyways. So here it is, I'm carrying around this hatred for them, and I'm like, you know, like, you know, and they're like, hey, like. And so it's just interesting how we're going to do that, how we do that, and God said, well, love them, love them, pray for them that persecute you. That is the hardest thing to me that to grasp, to get a hold of, in the Bible, is that he want me to pray for somebody who is persecuting me. That is tough. I don't want you to, to I'm not trying to candy coat this and coat it in ice cream. This is tough. When you say, you know what, I'm going to intentionally fall on my knees, I'm going to pray for them, that is tough stuff. Because I can tell you, when I've hit my knees and prayed for the people that I hated, there were times when I didn't even have words to speak. All I could be like, God, uh, you, 
you know why I'm here and you know the situation and I don't even know what to say. But you know where my heart needs to be. And so I pray for my heart and I pray for them that you, now you know some of you are like, yeah, pray for God's wrath. Get them, get them. No, it was like, God, I want you to enlighten their life and I want them to know you more. I want you to know them more. And you know what? Here's the awesome thing that God did to my heart was instead of, he turned this hatred into this almost like I felt bad for them because I realized in their life they didn't know Jesus. And people, people that know me, people that, that were in my family when, all, when everything happened, like they know the situation and they're like, you're crazy. And I'm like, I think so too at times. But literally, God put this into me and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. like I'm going to take this hatred out and instead I'm going to put this, you know, where you feel bad because you understand that they don't know me. And that's tough stuff. And so we see that love is an action, correct? Our doors are open to everyone. We want to love on people. We're almost there. And we want to journey with them to meet Yes, and so then we see, you know, here it is, is this love, this action is, you know, now we should love our enemies, so serve our enemies, pray for those who persecute you. So let's get to this one. <clears throat> Turn in your Bibles with me to John 13. John chapter 13. We're going to hit in and uh, let's go verse 34. And so we see this love, we see this action we want to make this uh, impact in our community. So that means we have to do action, turn love into this, from this emotion to this action. First, we've got to get our hearts right by loving those that, that, you know, that they hate us and that we have hate for them, that we need to, you know, start loving our enemies and pray for those. Now, here's the one that, this is what plagues the church. This is what plagues the church. In John 13, 34 says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also, you are, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Here's why I say this plagues the church, because when you say that, like, it sounds pretty easy. Like, oh, okay, like, we're supposed to love other believers. Like, that's, that's cool. So let's, let's not even go other believers. Let's not go other believers. Let's just stay inside our family, right? This is our family. Yeah, this, this is the church, not because of the walls or the doors or the roof or the floor or the platform or anything else. Like, that's not the church. That's just a building. That's a man-made building here. We are the church. Amen? We're on that page. Awesome. So here's the thing I love about saying that is now that we're all on the same page, that means we're all going in the same direction. As a family, we're going to disagree at times. But here's the thing. We have to continue to love each other. Here's the thing I love about this, and it says, like one of the little notes in my Bible, it says this, a new commandment as I have loved you. The commandment to love was not new as it's in Deuteronomy 6, 5, command uh, for love for God. Uh, however, Jesus' command regarding love presented a distinctly new standard for two reasons. It's sacrificial, the love modeled after his love, as I have loved you. And number two, it is produced through the new covenant by transforming power of the Holy Spirit. 
It's sacrificial. It's sacrificial. So when we sacrifice something, what is it? Like we give up something for something else, right? Like, like Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross to pay the debt for our sins, right? So he sacrificed himself. He sacrificed that now, understand that he's God, you know, the three in one. Like I get that he's God. But like if I ask, um, if I ask Jared, I said, hey, Jared, like I love your guitar. Like I, just, I love your guitar. And he's like, well, that's cool. And I'm like, I've never had a guitar like that before. And he was like, you're acting strange. And I'm like, yeah. And he was like, you know, how about I sacrifice and I'll just give you my guitar. Now that would be Jared sacrificing something that he likes, that he loves for me. Right? So let's get this idea of sacrifice down. Remember, we're one family, right? We got that. We're on the same page, right? Sometimes we have to sacrifice what we want for the good of the family. Now I know, I know, I know, I know in church right now, I know, I know this flies in the face of so much because we so badly want to go, whoa, 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 pastor, pastor, hold on, hold on. No. And I'm just sitting there and I'm reading this going, whoa. And, and the, the other part that got me, the part that really like just drew me into this is by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. All people, not some people, not most people, all people will know that you are my disciples. Why? Because of how you love those around you. If we in church, and I'm not talking about just Mariah, I'm talking about church in general, we are broken. Now see, we didn't get as many amens there. Like We're like, I don't know about that. We are broken. And why are we broken? Because we're filled with people. And we're broken. People are broken. But here's the thing, is, is right there at the end, and it says, uh, oh, it's back in Matthew. <laughs> You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, I know you're like, well, Jared, we can't reach perfection this side of heaven. Amen, you're exactly right, you can't. But guess what? We should be striving. We should be striving for that. You're never going to reach it. I understand that. I'm never going to reach it. I understand that. But we need to be striving for that perfect love. And what happens is, is this is what happens. Let me, I'm just, I'm gonna, just blatantly obvious. What happens is we gather together as a family, right? And, and we, have, we have all these different opinions. We have different ways that we dress. We come from different backgrounds. We come from different, you know, social, uh, you know, backgrounds and economics and all these things. We're all different. Amen? Like, that'd be boring. Like, if we all walked in and you're all, I don't know, if you were all bald, that'd be kind of cool. Like, I'd get a kick out of that. But, but you get it like, we're good. Thank God that we're not all the same, you know, because that's what makes the church powerful is that we're not the same. But we all come together, and what happens sometimes is we, we walk out the doors, or sometimes it even happens in the doors. What happens is Satan comes in and goes, hey, uh, I don't, that's not the way you want that, is it? And you're like, you know what? You're right. That, that's not the way that I want that. And you know what? I don't even like the way that guy dresses. That upsets me. And he's like, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And then you're like, before you know it, you're on this 15-minute rant 
about somebody that's in your family. And to me, it just breaks God's heart. He's going, how, are, how is everyone, how is everyone supposed to know you're one of my disciples by the way you love each other? And look at what you're doing to your family. And I'm being honest, church, Satan, when, when the Holy Spirit's moving here. Can I get an amen? Like, I don't know about you, but I feel like God is moving in this church body. I feel that. I feel like God's moving. But can I tell you, the thing is, is when we start doing things for God and we start making an impact in our community, Satan is going to be there the whole way saying, no! You don't want to go there. You don't want to reach those people. You don't want to do this or you don't want to do that. You don't want to have this and you don't want to have that. Just go back to the old ways where I can contain you. You don't want to get outside of that. Just, can, just come back over here. It's comfortable over here. Jesus never called us for a life of comfort. You look at his disciples and you think one of them was like, hey, uh, can I be martyred? You know, can you do that to me? I just, yeah, I feel like that's going to be something good for my health today. No, like they did not live a life of comfort. You think about, they walked around with Jesus. They walked around continually. It wasn't like they had some fancy mansion. They didn't have their Bentley that they rolled up in their camels and like hopped out. No, they walked daily with Jesus. They camped with Jesus. They went through all these struggles with Jesus and they never were comfortable. But as a church, sometimes we get confused with what we want is comfort and the whole time God's going, Whoa, 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 whoa. Comfort will kill you. I didn't call you to be like everybody else. I called you to be Mariah. And Mariah has a vision. Oh, hold on, we're going to get there. We're going to have a vision. Because we're going to impact our... When we come together, we're on the same page, in the same direction. And I love just the thoughts of this. The gates of hell can't stop us. But you know what can stop us? Us. Because we're going to, Satan's going to come in and he's going to say, hey. No, 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 no. Did you see that worship pastor's shirt today? It said, not today, Satan. I don't like that. It's a black t-shirt. How dare he wear that? And he'll start implanting little things into our brains that we're going to start nitpicking and going, I don't know about that. I mean, should we have really used video in, in service today? Jesus didn't use video. And little things like that, he'll start nitpicking and planting seeds of doubt and seeds of uh, fighting, infighting in our brain. And God's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. All people are going to know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. We're not always going to agree. Let's get, this, let's get that out there. We're not always going to agree. But that's a blessing because we're not the same. And each of us has different gifts. Each of us has different personalities and different backgrounds. And everybody here has something 
to offer the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I, God, am grateful for everybody in this place, God. God, it doesn't matter of background. It doesn't matter of race. It doesn't matter of economics, God. You, God, is what matters. And God, that that we feel your presence, we feel your power here today, God. God, and each day we meet, God, I want your kingdom to be glorified. God, that we understand, God, that our little catchy phrase of our doors are open to everyone, we want to love on people and we want to journey with them to meet Jesus, God. Ultimately, God, is just we want people to come in and feel your Holy Spirit. We want them to know that their past does not discount them from your kingdom. And when they enter these doors, God, that we want them to understand that, God, that we live, uh, we live a biblical foundation of love, God, that is an action, God, that all people will know we're your disciples because of how we love each other. And we want to journey with them to meet you because we ultimately know, God, that it is not about me. It's not about the the praise band. It's not about anybody else here, God. It is all about you. God, because you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross, to sacrifice, to pay the debt of our sin. And so, God, today... My prayer over everybody is this, God. That if there's a hatred in our heart, God, that, that the altars be open, God, that you can just come up and you can just say, hey, God, I, I don't even have the words. But God, that I know you don't want me to carry around this hatred for, for this person. Maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your dad, maybe it's your uncle, maybe it's your ex-best friend from second grade. Like, God, you don't want us to hold on to this. You just don't want us to carry this around, God, that you have other and better things for our lives than to carry around this luggage and this hatred. And that, God, that we want to be people that follow the Bible, that follow Scripture, God. We understand that love is not just a word, God. It's an action. And, God, we want to love the people around us, not only here in our family of Moriah, but in the community. That when we see someone who is lost and hurting, God, that we comfort them, not for our sake, but for your glory of your kingdom, God. God, we love you. In your precious, precious name we pray. Amen.